Home. It is more than four walls and a roof. Home is a feeling. I'm Jennifer Stagg, and I believe that home is the most important place on the planet. Here, I dive into all things home, whether it's tips from my latest DIY project or interviews that examine what gives a house that something special. Join me as I get to the heart of the home. We get asked a lot of questions on social media and through our email. So today we're tackling some of those follower questions and breaking it down right here on Heart of the Home. The Heart of the Home continues in just a moment. Hey everyone, popping on here to tell you about our latest collection drop on Stag Design. It's our art collection. These are beautiful, large-scale, very high-quality art pieces that will mix seamlessly with our current collection pillows and fabrics and wallpapers. You can check it all out on stagdesignshop.com. Okay, so I feel like there are two parts of our life right now. There was life before Halloween, and now there's life after Halloween. <laughs> are you feeling that the way? The clouds have parted. Oh my gosh. There's, there's a future again. <laughs> I don't even know if the clouds have parted quite yet, but I tell you what, last night after we put our kids to bed on Halloween, I was like, I want to throw all the pumpkins away. I want to throw all the candy away. I want to put the skeleton away. Like, you I like, want my life back. You were vacuuming up some cupcakes or something that fell on the ground, some cupcake bits. I'm like, why don't we just clean the whole floor? I know. And then why don't we clean the whole kitchen? And I just wanted to take all the decorations down and just be done. Me too. With Halloween. Me too. Yeah. More more so with Halloween, though, I think, than Christmas. Christmas, I'm always like, okay, I'm ready for Christmas to be over and put everything away by like, you know, first week of January or something. like mid-January by the time we get it done. But with Halloween, I am like, I am over this. I yeah. don't want to pull out costumes again. Like, I think about putting that spray paint in Anna's hair yeah. again. And I want to When you have to wash your hair four up. times to get it out of yeah. your hair. So, but it was a big success, wouldn't you say? Yeah. The girls had a lot of fun. The girls had a lot of fun. They looked so darling. Um, Vivi was Snow White, the cutest Snow White you've ever seen. She kept saying, me Snow White, (laughs) me Snow White. She really hams it up for the camera too. It's awesome. And then Anna was a rainbow fairy. She was very specific about her costume this year. She Mm -hmm. wanted a rain, she wanted to be a rainbow girl. And then I found the rainbow fairy costume and that was like... Her Perfect. mind was like, blown. and it had lights built into the dress. Yes, it lit up in the dark. It had Pretty like cool. batteries. And then uh, Ruby was a perfectly Ruby costume. She was Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. And her little bestie who lives behind us was Glinda, the Good Witch. And together it was magical. It almost wasn't even a costume. Like I could see her just wearing that outfit normally. Who, Glinda? <laughs> Ruby. Oh, Ruby. Well, Glinda, yeah, that was an awesome. <laughs> That was an awesome homemade costume. costume. No, I mean, Dorothy's costume is pretty basic, but she looked so cute. She was the cutest little Dorothy. She loved it. We had a wonderful Halloween. We are ready to throw all of the candy away. I'm interested if everybody does the Switch Witch. I wonder if we're the only people that do the Switch Witch. I'm not sure I even know what the switch witch is. That's because I just take care of it every year and you don't know about it. I just do it. What is the switch witch? In the past, you've wondered a little bit more about it because you like to consume all the candy and then suddenly all the candy's gone and you're like, where is all the candy? That's what a dad gets out of Halloween. Halloween isn't very fun for dads. It's for the kids. But then dads get to raid the candy stashes of the kids. That's the deal, right? 
I think your addiction to sugar is, it <laughs> oh, has no, 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 a no. profound hold on you. I would love to talk to like a thousand dads. I guarantee the percentage would be very high that view it as their privilege to, to raid oh their gosh. candy sessions. Anyway, John and I have been off sugar for, I don't know, probably three weeks now. Yes. Three, four weeks. And um, it's worth it, but it sucks. <laughs> I, I don't even really care that much. I do. I know. But um, anyway, what I do is I give each girl a sandwich baggie and I let them put pieces of candy in their sandwich baggie and then I label it. And then the rest of the candy goes to the Switch Witch and they get a little prize in exchange for throwing away the rest of their Halloween candy. I don't want to be the mom that gets rid of all of the Halloween candy, but our neighborhood, (laughs) John and I were talking last night when we were children, you had to work hard for that candy. I mean, you were like schlepping your your pillowcase mm-hmm. around oh, yeah, your neighborhood. I totally had pillowcases. <laughs> pillowcases. Like, so many as years. Your, yeah, as your candy bag. You schlepped your pillowcase around the neighborhood in the freezing cold and you had to like map out which houses you thought were going to be the ones that gave full-size candy bars and which ones oh, were like ever. the dentist that gave... I think maybe gave, one time I got a know. full candy bar as Oh, a child. I know. I can think of two houses in my childhood. One actually gave gum, packs of gum, and that yeah. was like, you had to get to that house really early. And then the other one gave full-size candy bars. And then mm. the rest, it was like, hit or miss, man. You didn't know what was going to be... Or you had to go to like the rich neighborhood that was a little far to walk. <laughs> But it was worth it. It was worth it because you got your full size candy bar, right? (laughs) No, our neighborhood only gives full size candy bars mostly. Yeah. Like full size candy bars. What else did did our kids bring home? We have one person in our street who gives an orange every year. Mm -hmm. And I was proud of the girls. They were very polite. (laughs) They're probably so disappointed. I know. But not Vivi. Vivi was like, me love oranges. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Me love those. But that's a good, that's, I actually am more supportive now of people who give away non-candy or healthy food options to get. We contributed to the full-size candy bar trend in our neighborhood. But we also mixed in like goldfish crackers. And and chips and... That kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it was just funny to watch like the kids' reaction. These two tween girls came up to our porch and their eyes got really big and one of them whispered to the other, they have chips. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we don't have a ton of kids who come around. More than in the past, I think. But um, so we don't have to have a ton of full size candy bars to meet the need. Right. We just we make it worth it. If they're gonna come up to our house up the hill through the snow, it's like there was okay. actual. There snow. was actual snow. I had to still shovel is. off and salt the walks before Halloween night, which was crazy. Anyway, we had a happy Halloween. We hope you had a happy Halloween as well. And now. We are looking forward to the rest of our lives. Yes. That don't involve costumes for another year, hopefully. Okay, well, today is a fun episode because uh, behind the scenes here at Heart of the Home Podcast, we have the wonderful, the lovely, the talented, the handsome and dashing and wonderful cook, Kelton Wells. (laughs) He is our podcast producer, and uh, he is going to be joining us in this episode to do a little Q&A. Hi, Kelton. How are you? I'm great. You know, I've been kind of lurking around in the shadows of this <laughs> podcast for quite a while, so it's nice to see the light. Is this your first time on? Yeah. Yes. That's a tragedy. We should have made this happen a lot sooner. It, it's really fine. No, Kelton <laughs> is so well-spoken and always just knows the right thing to say. John calls Kelton our team mascot yeah. for Stag Design because... 
I literally have not met a single person who does not love Kelton. To yeah. know Kelton is to love him. You know, in high school, I learned that there was a kid who didn't like me, and I had no idea why, and I was crushed. <laughs> <laughs> Just one kid? Uh, there's probably <laughs> I can think of, It was a small town. I can think of many. <laughs> it was a small town. No, but we we love you, Kelton. We're so glad you're here. Kelton's going to be doing a little Q&A with us from uh, follower questions. Yeah. So these are some things that uh, you guys, the listeners and followers of Stag Design and Jen on Instagram have been sending in. So we'll just dive in. So this Great. first one, uh, someone wants to know, what is your approach to financing home renovation projects? Do you save up for it first and then attack it? Or do you pay off a project over time? And when it's paid off, you move on to the next one? What has kind of been your philosophy, you know, best practice that you guys have found? I think our advice is always we don't want to get people in dangerous situations um, and we wouldn't want to get in a dangerous situation ourselves financially. While it is easiest, of course, to do the most renovation at once, um, we also work. I would say the majority of our clients, we break their projects into phases so phase one, phase two, phase three, so that, um, you know, we can accomplish everything we want to accomplish with their home still within reality, right? Because there aren't very many clients. Occasionally we do get these clients who can do a lot all at once or the whole thing, the whole shebang all at once. But usually it kind of has to be broken down. And, and that's just life, right? Like that's just reality. And, and we don't ever want to make people feel bad that they can't do everything all at once. Yeah, it's rare that you can do everything you want to do in one bang. Um, but you also have to think about logically what should be done together at the same time, especially when you're talking about home renovation. Because if you're doing a big renovation project, there are certain things you have to do together, right? So when we've done big renovations, typically we have to finance those. We don't have hundreds of thousands of cash sitting lying around. I to, wish we did. That'd be awesome. But um, so if you're doing a big project involving tearing open walls and redoing plumbing and moving a kitchen, and there are certain things you just have to do all at the same time. So either saving up and or having some financing for projects like that to get them all done at the same time. And we're big believers in if you start something, you've got to finish it completely all the way all the way as as soon as you can because even if you're not living in a home you still want to you know limit that time start to finish as much as you can especially if you're living in the home and you're renovating a part of the house you don't want to be living in the middle of a construction project any longer than you have to and we've done that yeah. many times we've lived in the middle of construction zones and we know how bad it sucks so it's better to make sure you've got either the savings or the financing to completely finish the renovation start to finish before you start. I wouldn't start until you're sure you have the money to finish. And it's always more expensive than you think it will be. So you have to factor in some overages, but you know, you can, when you're doing interior design, you can take a much more, you know, measured approach room by room. But even then our philosophy is when you start a room, even with interior design, complete, completely finish it and don't do half of it and then wait until you have some more money to do the other half because you never get around to doing the other half. You just you, you just get used to the halfway done room and it doesn't feel good ever. That's always a huge part of my design philosophy is save up. Don't get in over your head or or finance really smartly 
and go all the way. And if you can't afford to do that, then just wait. Just wait. Just wait. Don't piecemeal it together. Don't buy things here and there. Don't launch into a project that you can't quite finish because you're not going to get it finished. It's going to feel yucky and then you're going to hate it even more. So just wait. Yeah, it, it reminds me, my my brother, um, who I learned a lot from, honestly, on DIY home construction type projects. I go to his house a lot and every time I'm in his kitchen, I look up above one of the doorways and there's a place where he like did the brush painting around the corners but never used the roller to actually finish that little bit of paint. It would have taken like almost no work and almost no expense, but um, he just never got around to doing that little piece. And he's like a professional painter, such a good painter, so meticulous. And it just shocks me that he would be willing to live with that when it would take such little effort to finish. And it just reminds me that I think we're all this way. Once you get used to something, you don't even see it anymore. And I think he just doesn't even see that anymore. You don't see it until everything's 100% finished. And right. then you're like, I something... cannot believe that I lived with that for that long. And it was not necessarily that difficult to finish. I just didn't get around to finishing it 100%. So, um, yeah. And you may not realize that your space, because it's not finished, it's not cohesive, that it doesn't just feel right, doesn't feel good until you've finished it and you see what a huge difference it makes. Um, so yeah, when you start, make sure you have the money and the time and the willpower to completely finish. So summarize, what is the best way to finance a large project? Well, I, I think it depends on the project and the size of the project. So if it's a really large one, it's probably a combination of savings and financing, unless you can just pay a huge amount of money up front. Unless you've come into some money recently. If it's a smaller project, then probably save up and just pay cash or have the cash for it. So it really depends on the size of the project. Okay. Kelton, back to you. All right. So second one, this person says, if I have the choice to expand my home up or out, which is the better option? Obviously money is a big factor, but what other factors should play into that choice? Hmm. Out is going to be less expensive than up. Totally depends. Well, I don't know. I feel like up, when we've priced up renovations versus out renovations, up is always trickier. It's more expensive. It's um, it's harder to live there while you're doing an up renovation or oh, yeah. an up extension. True. Um, also, you have to take into consideration like roof lines and water flow and yeah i don't think you can live in a house if you're going up because you literally have to remove the entire roof and then you have to probably change the way you probably have to tear open the main floor i'm Mm -hmm. sure you do because you'll have to put in stronger supports for that additional weight going up Um, so yeah i don't think you could ever live in a house that you're building up it also changes the look of your house dramatically so then you're talking about you know, you have to rethink everything. Yeah. The way that your house flows, the way that it looks, if the, if the addition's going to make sense visually. I mean, it's just, it's kind of hairy to go up, though. And they're cool, fun projects. Yeah. Not I mean, we've had, anyone. we've had more than one house in our neighborhood that I've noticed that have added on up. There's that one on the main drag in our neighborhood um, that went up a couple years ago. And it looks awesome, but they had a flat roof. Mm-hmm. And so adding one easier. more level wasn't that 
big of a deal. It also was pretty easy to think about how that would look going up. If you have a pitched roof, it's going to be super tricky. So I would say adding an addition out is easier. Yeah, I'd, I'd say probably usually it is. And you can maybe live in the existing space mm-hmm. and find a way to cordon off the connection into the new addition. Um, but either way, it's going to be really disruptive to your life. So whenever possible, we would recommend not living in a home that you're renovating because we've done that before and many people have, and it's just really not fun. It's not fun. And I'm sure we'll do it again. <laughs> I, I, you know, that's just kind of how we roll. Depends but on. yeah, John never wants to do it again. Well, with kids, kids is a game changer. If you're, when we renovated homes that we lived in, we were mostly, I think in almost every case we didn't have kids. And even then it was tough. But when you're trying to keep little kids out of spaces where they can get themselves hurt and it's in their home, that's really hard to do. <laughs> I have a friend who uh, just moved back into our neighborhood after living away for a, a year or two and bought a house in our neighborhood that needs a lot of work. And she said to me the other day, I said, how's the how's the remodel going? And she's like, well, we've taught the boys which places they can step and which places they can't and where the nails are and what the, you know, and I was like, oh, I'm so glad I'm not back there. It's terrible. It's so hard to do with (laughs) small kids, especially. So anyway, okay, that's that's a long answer, but we say out. It's easier. Yeah, usually. Okay, this one is maybe a little more for Jen, but John, you can weigh in. Thank you. (laughs) Um, This person asks, is it taboo to not keep the same color scheme in every room? I've noticed many bloggers and designers seem to have the same style in every space, including the bedrooms. Okay, so I I would say it's not taboo, but what I what I would do is if you're not sure you want to keep the reason that designers do that is because it creates this nice easy flow through their home from one space to another when the colors when there's at least a couple colors that carry from one room to another as you're wa- naturally walking through your house. Um, it creates this sort of like feng shui and easy flow and that you don't even know that's there. But that's why designers do that. If you're like, oh, I just don't want my house to be a one note. I totally get that. Um, what I would do then is get the color wheel out and pick colors that go well together. If you're like, oh, I want, really want one room to make a super bold statement. Awesome. Make sure that color meshes well with the other colors in your home so that it's not like yellow and pastel blue. You know what I mean? Like you you just want yellow is a very hard color in design, by the way. That's why almost no one uses it in design. It's really hard to find colors that flow well with yellow. But yeah, that's what I would suggest. You know, if you if you've seen Oakley Peterson's home, we did her front office and we've been working on a couple other spaces in her home. Her front office is a really, really bold statement. It's bright. It's not bright. It's a really, really, really deep red current color. The rest of her house doesn't have that color, but it still all works together because we made sure that the rest of the colors didn't compete with that red, that the red is really the the star of her home. So do you want to weigh in, John? Uh, I'll just say I agree. (laughs) (laughs) I concur. I've I've seen homes where people want to have like a different theme in every room and I guess there's maybe a way you could do that. No, there's not. Probably not. No, <laughs> like, I'll just say there's not. I'll, I'll just say that the example of that that I saw was terrible. And it just made the home feel really weird and disjointed. And 
Uh, I, I mean, I'm not the designer on the team. I do a lot of other things to help with the company. But you do but, have very strong opinions. But I have my own opinions. And, um, and I do really appreciate the focus that you have on creating cohesive spaces and cohesive homes because I, I think that's probably the thing that people may not be able to put their finger on. But when they move in, when they look at a space and they're in a space and they just, it just feels good, I think it feels good because it's cohesive in some way. Aw, shucks, thanks. <laughs> okay, so this person has a backsplash that they're getting kind of tired of in their kitchen. They want to know, how hard is it generally to remove an old backsplash and put up a new one? What kind of timeline we, are they looking at? That kind of thing. We have a video. As a matter of fact. On how to remove backsplashes. Yes, we have a whole video on it. I would say removing the backsplash is not bad. Um, it's messy, if the person who installed the original backsplash used an adhesive that was meant for tile, if they used an adhesive that's like cemented the tile to the wall, then it gets a little hairier well, because what it, you're... That's what Vincent said is, but... Yeah, right, but like there are some it. that are worse than others, I yeah, feel some like. Some tear off the, the paper covering of drywall, and that's more difficult to deal with. So typically when you're removing an existing backsplash, you're going to have to repair the wall behind it. And so you just plan for that. But you would tear off the backsplash and then prepare the wall again, basically take it back to what it was before the first backsplash. Do you want to talk through how you do that? Well, yeah. So you would tear off the existing backsplash. I just use like a hammer and a crowbar, essentially, a thin mm -hmm. one that can... And you try not to just totally put holes in the wall and be a little bit careful removing it. Do you and, like a little tap, 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 yeah. tap, tap, and, and then which it'll is, pop off? I think very well demonstrated in our video. If you want to well, check that out, thank you, <laughs> thank you. I'm in the video. You so are thanks. in the video, yes. Uh, and I'm behind the scenes doing a lot of the work, but <laughs> but you were there with me, and it was it was great. Um, so then, after the tile has been removed, you would take. It depends on the material that is behind the backsplash. If it's a, um, a cement board, then you'd prepare it a little differently. But if it's just straight drywall, you would put drywall mud and smooth it out. And then once it's all prepped and ready to go, put thin set, thin set up in the new tile. And you can buy tile patterns if you're doing like a small tile. Um, you can do tile patterns that come in like sheets with a bunch of the little tiles all attached together. And that will make it go up a little faster and easier. Yeah, typically the smaller tiles are in 12 by 12 mesh sheets. So it may seem like you have to put up every little individual tile, but that's not usually true. It's like one foot by one foot sheets. So if this person is a, a weekend warrior, should they plot one weekend for demo, next weekend for installation? In your experience, what kind of timeline? Um, if they're only working on the weekend, it'd probably be three weekends, mm -hmm. one Unless they can get the tear-off and prep done in the first weekend, which they could. Um, you may need a second weekend to just finish the prep. Because drywall mud takes a while to dry, and then you have to sand it a bit to make it smooth enough. It doesn't have to be perfect if you're putting up another tile backsplash, but you do want it to be fairly smooth and uniform. And then the the third weekend or second weekend, if you're fast, would be setting the tile. But then you have to wait for that tile to set and then you can grout it so it might be several weekends and a little bit of time in between but yeah you can get it done pretty easily okay last question for today but we'll we have a long list so we're gonna okay. do some more episodes 
How do you recommend painting older wood furniture? This person says she has a buffet that she inherited from her grandmother that she loves, but the color isn't her style. And what color palette would you recommend that is timeless that she could use when she's, you know, redoing this buffet? Hmm. Well, I'll chime in on the the color and a little bit about the process, and then John can finish this up because he's a better painter than I am. Um, okay, I if you want to do something timeless, I would stick with a neutral. So white, black, or navy are always really good choices because they'll be timeless and they'll go, you know, they'll they'll be around forever. As far as the process goes to make it last, can I just say please don't paint it with chalk paint. <laughs> do people do that? Please. Oh, oh, John, everybody paints their furniture with chalk paint these days. And and chalk paint's okay, I think, for a piece of furniture that you are okay with not having forever, right? But if you want to do it right, please don't use chalk paint. You know, I, I think chalk paint is great for a piece of furniture that, that, you know, maybe you picked up secondhand that's really inexpensive that you just want to give a quick finish to. I'm not, I'm not harshing on chalk paint, okay, people? I know I'm going to get some people who are like, but I love chalk paint. But I just think if it's an heirloom piece of furniture, you want to do it the right way. So I would use a really, really high quality paint. Um, we really love the Benjamin Moore Advance. And uh, yeah, I will let you chime in on the rest of the process. So educate me a bit. I, I'm not sure I know what chalk paint is. I was thinking like chalkboard paint. No, it's just a type of paint that's sort of like a craft paint that people use a lot for furniture and it gives it a sort of a matte finish um, and it's easy to use and it's forgiving, but um, personally it's not my favorite, favorite aesthetic. Hmm. Um, as far as painting goes, honestly, what I would recommend, especially if it's a piece of furniture that you care about an heirloom, hire a professional painter to spray it for you because you're, not going to get the same kind of finish and look by hand painting it. And unless you're a really skilled sprayer, which I've done a lot of painting, but I am, I would not consider myself a skilled sprayer. Um, if you get someone who does that all day, every day, they're going to be really good at it. They'll know exactly which paints to use and which finish top, top coating to use to make it really durable. If it's a piece of furniture that you care about, that's definitely worth the investment of hiring someone who knows what they're doing. And they'll often have a place they can take the furniture that's tented off and, and appropriate for spraying. You can't just spray in the middle of your house, of course. It'll it'll get everywhere. And we've done that on several pieces ourselves where we really wanted it to be a durable, nice-looking paint finish, and we have an awesome painter that we hire for that. We're not afraid to tackle a paint project ourselves, but we're also not afraid to hire uh, someone who really knows what they're doing. Yeah, we're we're not above hiring people. <laughs> um, although we, I feel like we've done every type of project there is to do together, and and John luckily knows how to do almost everything. But that doesn't mean that it's always smart for you to do it. And painting sounds like a project that's super easy and like, well, I, it's just a can of paint and a paintbrush. Like I can do it myself. But if this is something you want to be around for a really long time, just find a good painter and have them spray it. Yeah, there's a big difference between painting a wall and painting a piece of furniture. It's a totally different world. All right. 
I'm done. I'm You're heading, done. I'm heading back to the shadows now. <laughs> <laughs> but we like you in the light, Kelton. I'll make some appearances. <laughs> Bring your face to the sunshine more often. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we'd love to hear what you think of the podcast. Please head over, give us a little rate and review. Those things really do make a big difference. And it would really just make our day if we could read one of your reviews. So thanks so much for listening. I'm Jennifer Stagg, and you've been listening to The Heart of the Home. I hope you'll subscribe, review, and rate this podcast, and tune in next episode for more Heart of the Home. Thank you so much for listening.